The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Welcome in, everybody, to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. It is May 1st. It's gonna be May. The season is one month in, one month and change. Brendan Glasheen joined by two of our very best that cover Major League Baseball at Action Network, Charlie DeSterko and Anthony DeBundo. We're here Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the baseball season, three days a week. So please rate, review, and subscribe. We hope you have enjoyed so far. I think it's been pretty profitable. We've had some really good days, some bad days. That's how it goes. It's a long season, plenty of variants, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what we're going to do today. As we normally do, we'll dive into best bets. We're going to give you a state of Major League Baseball. There was a lot going on in this offseason. We had the rule changes. Then we had the World Baseball Classic. And then you wanted to see how the changes applied. And then, of course, you have the actual baseball itself. What teams have been really good? What teams have not been very good? Meeting expectation, not meeting expectation. So we'll kind of uh, tie a bow on April and figure out what we think of the state of the league. Debundo has a take. Charlie's got a take. We'll go to underdogs of the day, final bets, and then we'll get out of here. So, and it's a short slate today, very short slate on this Monday, just eight games to break down. So without further ado, let's do best bets for Monday. Anthony DeBundo, why don't you go first? Yeah, so game two of the Mets Braves doubleheader, Tyler McGill against Charlie Morton. I'm gonna go with over eight and a half runs, minus 120 at BetMGM. It is always tricky to predict out what the bullpens and the, the starting lineups will look like in game two of a doubleheader. They're playing a back-to-back. First game starts at one, second game 4.30-ish. But uh, this is more of a bet against both starting pitchers, which have had some pretty troubling uh, stuff under the hood when you look at their numbers. First off, both the Braves and the Mets project better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching, so you get a favorable split there for both offenses. The weather looks just fine for offense today. But the main thing here is that Charlie Morton, his fastball stuff plus is down, and it's now considerably below average. 
Uh, he's sitting around 90 to 95 stuff plus on the fastball. It was traditionally his fastball was above average. His curveball was elite. That's how he got by. That's how he got a lot of his strikeouts. Well, now he's struggling with his command. And one of the main reasons is he's been throwing the cur- the, the fastball less. So it's almost an, a personal uh, acknowledgement that maybe the fastball isn't quite there. Uh, and the, the reason for that means that he's, you know, he's struggling to command the breaking stuff as well. And thus his walk rate is up. His uh, strikeout rate is way down. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of troubling indicators with Morton. Uh, and I'm not really sure it's going to come back. We saw Morton start slow last year, but the stuff was fine. This year, there's just the first time where you're like, okay, this is actually uh, a material change in Morton. So, you know, you look at his XCRA up over five. Uh, it has not been a very good start for Charlie, despite the perfectly fine, uh, you know, XER, actual ERA numbers. And then on the other end, Tyler McGill was a prospect and a player everybody liked coming up last year when he was throwing 97. But now that he's just throwing 93, he's kind of just a mediocre starter. Uh, and and the difference between that and his stuff numbers and his fastball is significant. Uh, and so I like the over in this game. Both lineups have enough depth that you can rotate through and still have plenty of offense. Like I'm imagining we'll see Alvarez in game two, better offensive catcher, worse defensive catcher. Uh, and so, you know, same thing for the Braves with their depth. So I'm going to go with the over here, eight and a half. Okay, very good. Game two is... Uh... Debundo mentioned coming up today between the Braves and the Mets, which is uh, so that's at four o'clock. First game's at one ten. That's an ESPN plus MLB Network game. Strider Reyes, Charlie, what do you got for us? Best bet? Yeah, I'm heading out to Houston. The Giants off their two game series in Mexico City now head to Houston to take on the Astros. So buy a low spot on Luis Garcia, and I'm targeting the Giants team total under three and a half here. Garcia's in the top twenty percent of all pitchers in hard hit rate and chase and whiff rate. It was a little bit concerning maybe with the change in pitch clock that he would struggle a bit. He did to start the season, but he's really finding his groove now. He's short up on his barrel rate, has seen his strikeouts improve. And that's really key here against a Giants team that is, quite frankly, the worst team in Major League Baseball in strikeout percentage. They really do strike out a lot. So even with rallies going or runners on base, they're always susceptible to striking out and giving the opponent plenty of chances to get escape without damage being done. And they're coming off a Mexico City game with the altitude. We talked about it in game one after there were over 25 runs scored. An altitude of 7,320 feet. And that's 40% higher than Coors Field, which is insane. And we talked about the humidors and the baseball and all that. But you take a look at how the Rockies perform at home versus on the road. And obviously, this is a little bit of a different aspect because it's Colorado plays all their games at Coors Field and then head to the road and they're not as good as an offense at San Francisco but I think there's something to be said that the Giants are going from a day off traveling from San Francisco to Mexico City and then immediately after a two-game series they're heading to Houston to take on Luis Garcia who I've mentioned is is has been better as of late and Houston's bullpen they're number two in XFIP they are incredible from top to bottom their back end is great so I think Luis Garcia throws five six seven strong the back end is is only going to be get better from there. And I'm not trusting Ross Stripling with a full game under. So like Houston's chances here at really hammering down the Giants off that Mexico City series. What did you guys think of just quickly on Saturday? That was unbelievable. 16-11, the ball was flying out of the place. Yeah, was every every fly ball went yard. It was, what was it, 11 fly balls, seven home runs? It, it, it was incredible. It looked like a couple candy pop-up canicorns just never went down. And, and it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, Derek Cardi from the Bat X projected a, sent out a tweet thread maybe Friday afternoon, 
uh, maybe two o'clock saying that he was projecting about 17 and a half runs, which is the highest that his projection model system, which you can find on fan graphs uh, has ever projected. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, what, what are the books going to open this? And some actually opened as low as eight and a half. Uh, that was quickly erased up to 12 and a half. And I was like, that's still way too low. I trust Cardi. Uh, and the, you definitely saw the overreaction for game two. Right. Getting up to 2021, a little too high. But yeah, 11 of, I think Sean Zerillo said that 11 of the 17 fly balls in the first game left the yard. They were using the wrong humidors, uh, the humidors they use at regular elevation. So that they just turbocharged everything. I don't know if they fixed it for game two or not, but uh, it's pretty uh, remarkable. We need more of these kind of stadiums, these random one-off things, because uh, the books really struggle to adjust. And in this case, it's, it's better to be the better and have the uh, the edge, whereas the books have to set these bad lines. It's harder to model. I think, and by the way, when you said like turbocharged, I, I know, and I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing. It's, it sounds like the uh, the Giants and Padres like became Power Rangers for a weekend. It's like, we're going to turbocharge. That's what that weekend felt like in terms of the production. Uh, good transition, though, because you mentioned the books adjusting. And that brings us to our state of Major League Baseball report. We're one month in about. I know we, they played some games in March, but we're a full month in. It's May 1st. I, I want to get your thoughts uh, from both of you, two different perspectives. Let, let's do this first. Let's do a, a quick betting recap in terms of what we learned with the rule changes. So pitch clock. More stolen bases. The bags are bigger. No shifts. Um, those kinds of things. I know, and just from like underdogs didn't have a great first month, right? I know Zarello's been on this quite a bit. Underdogs have been putrid. When I mean, you look at some of the teams here as underdogs this year, Oakland hasn't been delivering. Cincinnati hasn't been very good. Kansas City, Colorado, meaning there hasn't been that variance. I know Kansas City had a win over the weekend. Zarello was very happy about that. Uh <laughs> And then the other, so yeah, that we'll start with that. So Charlie, why don't you give us some thoughts there? If you have any thoughts for just from a betting standpoint, what you may have learned from the rule changes and then just how a lot of runs have been scored too. Overs have been very good. Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely over the past month have looked more toward overs in certain situations, especially against bad pitchers. It just seems like the ball's flying a little bit more offenses are kind of in their rhythm. There aren't that many pitchers that have, you know, shut the door as much when you, when you refer to the the other major rule changes though, pitch clock, I don't know if it's had that much effect on anything and the shifts, okay. I think it's been kind of minimum. The, the biggest thing is the, is the extra base is the increase in size in the bases and the increase in stolen bases we saw. And that was more early on in the season. You could take advantage of sports books, not really adjusting their lines fully and struggling to kind of adapt to what is a fair price for stolen bases because so many teams were going because there was such a high level of stolen bases number wise. I, I think there's spots where you can fade. I mean, I, me and Debundo were on some Cindergard stolen base props against them yesterday and none of them really went home, but I mean, Cindergard's going to be a pitcher that you want to target for stolen bases. Maybe not like the top end guys, but in the middle, cause he's so susceptible to being stolen on. I think that's like where you look at is maybe a couple of pitchers that struggle with keeping runners on, but in general, like not, not much has changed for me from like a projecting standpoint. I do look a little bit more at the overs, but it's not like a drastic like change in how I am approaching my betting. 
Okay, very good. And as you brought up, the the base thing has was notable. Like the, the Diamondbacks were a team we jumped on to running the bags quite a bit. Debundo, any thoughts on just anything you learned from a betting standpoint that first month? Yeah, I mean, the baseballs are different again. Uh, they are more live than they were last year. This is not a 2019 baseball, which was the rabid ball year when every ball that was hit in the air went out of the park. This is also not the dead ball of 2022. Uh, and I'm very excited to see uh, that as we get into the warmer months, what the baseballs are flying out of these parks look like and what numbers we're going to start to see across baseball. Because I remember joking last year, like, you couldn't get me a total uh, above nine at most parks where I would want to bet over no matter who was pitching. Uh, you know, we're already seeing a lot of nine and a half tens popping up across various parks in April. So it certainly will be interesting once we get into the warmer months as the balls fly even further. Humidity increases, especially in the Northeast uh, and across the, uh, you know, the South. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, one team who has been stealing a ton of bases and has been really impressive has been the Pirates because, you know, I don't really believe in Oviedo, Hill, and, and Velazquez at the back of that rotation, keeping up. It's been pretty good starts for them. But this this lineup is mashing, and they have the underlying data to support it. I mean, they're running a lot. They're top five in ex-WOBA. Do I think they'll keep playing at you know sixty-two you know percent win rate? No. But do I think they could play five hundred for the rest of the year and make the playoffs? It certainly wouldn't surprise me anymore. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh, the kind of team now that I also don't think they're going to sell off at the deadline. They have pieces like a McCutcheon, like a Bednar. Uh, who they could have looked to, to trade off at the deadline. I don't think they're doing that anymore. And uh, they extended Brian Reynolds, which is a nice show of good faith that they're trying to win or being competitive. Uh, O'Neill Cruz will be back eventually for the stretch run. And then they have a, a couple top prospects with uh, Andy Rodriguez, the catcher. They, it's a, still a big hole for them in their lineup at catcher. He could solve that if one of those three you know young starters starts to fall off or mm -hmm. in in Rich Hill's case, old starters. Uh, then they have Luis Ortiz sitting there uh, waiting as a potential option in AAA as well. So I'm I'm intrigued by the Pirates. That division is so wide open. I really don't think anybody's running away with it. I, the Brewers pitching is looking a little shaky. The Cubs have been an upstart. You can still find five to one on them to win the Central. So really trying to predict the Central is really the hardest thing through a month because I, you know, I'm high on this Cardinals lineup, but the pitching is a disaster. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in that division that's that's really hard to sort out. Whereas the other divisions, I feel like we have a decent idea. Mm -hmm. Like the Rays are going to probably win the East. Uh, the Twins are, I still think, the class of the Central. Houston will figure it out in the West. The Braves, but I think that NL Central is a really really tough division to, to forecast right now. Yeah, Pittsburgh plus six hundred to come out of the Central, and Milwaukee remains the favorite. But Pittsburgh, as of right now. As of May first, first place in the Central. It's a good transition to Charlie. So that it, so Anthony gave us a little tease as to what he might have coming up in terms of his, um, his, his little state of baseball in terms of how he might look into future markets. Breaking down the Central is a good angle. Charlie, you've got a couple thoughts here on how you might look at the state of the league and who might continue to play well, a buy low team possibly, and then who could turn it around. Right. Yeah. So just to counterbalance DeBundo's Pirates take, uh, it's just, I think it's April. It's the first month of the year, team surprised, and then teams fall down to earth. And I think that they're one of those teams that are going to fall down to earth. I don't expect them to have this top five WRC plus and WOBA rating. And I expect, you know, Oviedo and Rich Hill to completely fall down to earth and crash and burn. I don't expect either of them to really do much. Maybe Vel Velasquez has been great. I, I, I took him 
Uh, you know, the other day, I, I, his his advanced numbers are, are pretty surprisingly strong. But I just don't think that this team from top to bottom in the lineup and the pitching and the, the bullpen aside from Bednar really have what it takes. And I think that, you know, come all-star break, we're talking about this team in third or fourth place in the central, which kind of goes in hand in hand with I. I was one of the people on the NL Central pod and I was, you know, banging the drums that the Cardinals are overrated and it's because their pitching is just horrid. And and what we've seen so far is their pitching has not been great. They're dead last in the Central. That won't happen and be kept up the whole time, but they have a negative run differential. Their offense has been, you know, about fine. I think that their offense is going to hit more as we see as it goes on. Like the, the Goldschmidt, Arenados, this, this lineup is good. But I, I think that there are some concerns, but they're not as bad as the Reds, Cubs, and Pirates from a just top-to-bottom standpoint. Uh, Flaherty, Michaelis, Mats, I'm not high on, but I think the Brewers are live to win that. I mean, or they're, they're, they're the favorites. I think the Brewers are going to walk away with that division. As far as a team that I think will keep it going, the Minnesota Twins, I've talked about them all season. I had them to make the playoffs. Their pitching is legit. Byron Buxton, as long as they continue to do what they do with load management, he's going to continue rolling. Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Malley, and when Kenta Maeda back, that'll be a, a great starting five in rotation. They have a good bullpen. They have a decent lineup, especially with Polanco now back in there. And then as far as just two teams to look to buy low on, the Padres, the Yankees, the Yankees have been banged up all season long, but they'll get healthy. Radon will come back. And that will be the time when you want to buy low on this team, especially with where they're sitting now in the AL East down at the bottom. I, I don't really know if the Orioles are going to keep it up, but I think I know for a fact that the Yankees will turn around. Their offense looks okay. And with judge back in the lineup, when he's healthy, they'll be more than okay. So don't panic there. And then the Padres, you know, the, the Machado Tatis, they're not going to struggle for this long. They're going to be just fine. They're right around 500. They're still about like plus 145 plus 150 to win the NL West. I love that number there. I think that they're going to walk away with that division. There's a lot of concerns with the Dodgers and just how good their offense will be and how good their bullpen is. The Padres, they have the lineup from top to bottom to really compete. So those are just a bunch of teams that I'm, I just threw a lot of words at you, but teams that I'm selling, teams that I'm buying, teams that I think are going to be just fine. Just don't panic and overreact off the first month. That's all I'll say. Padres and Yankees are still both in the top six in terms of World Series odds and World Series favorites. And yeah, they see the Yankees down there with the Red Sox makes me happy, but that <laughs> should change soon. Bundo, any quick hitters? I know you mentioned Pittsburgh. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest thing with the Twins, uh, Charlie mentioned the Twins, they lose Molly. Uh, he's going to miss a month now. But my idol looks terrible. Uh, he's throwing like 89. It's it's a problem that he's going to have to work through and, and figure out how to get the velocity back coming off Tommy John. But they have the depth now. Like they didn't have the depth last year. They were they were trying out some really bad starters and Louis Varland and and Bailey Ober are two guys that have taken significant steps forward in stuff plus in their pitching development in AAA. Two guys that now when they're on the mound, I'm not like oh boy here we go with the Twins. Uh, and, you know, like Charlie mentioned with Buxton, we'll see if they start to give him chances in center once the weather's warmer. But I, this seems to be working for them, for him, for everybody. They have, you know, they're, they're, they have fine defense with Michael Taylor in center. So they have enough hitting, hitting you know, with, with Buxton in the lineup every day. So I'm still interested in the Twins. I still think that they're, you know, maybe a little underrated. Central as a whole is horrendous. The Guardians will get Savali and McKenzie back. Uh, but Bieber doesn't look like the same guy. This lineup is still kind of just like a ragtag crew of uh, 
of, of slap hitters in a way. So I, I'm really still buying the Twins here uh, to win the Central. Uh, and then I guess out West, it's going to be a really fun race. I think the Dodgers are going to f- start to figure it out. You know, they're calling out uh, Gavin Stone. He's going to pitch Wednesday. That will be interesting to watch. The, they, he has electric stuff. They're going to you know finally get Gonsolin back. I'm not a huge Gonsolin guy, but like they just need like solid mid-level rotation pitching right now because they've really lacked it. And then the paternity wave seems to be over. So they're going to have everybody back in the lineup, which which really killed them. Will Smith, J.D. Martinez battling some nagging injuries, but um, they have made up for it with, with excellent production from James Altman, who's now the nationally rookie of the year favorite. So I'm not going to just count out the Dodgers. I, I think that division comes down to the final weeks. Uh, it's going to be really fun. And I know we have their first series coming up this weekend, Dodgers Padres. Dodgers Padres, both teams seven and three in their last 10 games. So they both have stayed above water at the, 500 playing better than they started the season. So, yeah, I mean, the Padres have gotten almost nothing out of Machado, Soto and Tatis. So the fact that they're, you know, playing around 500 ball and uh, winning every game close, Hader already has 10 saves. So it, it just shows you that this offense has not really been able to pull away from teams like people thought it would in the preseason. But now that we're here, uh, I do expect some improvements from their three best hitters. So they go this, as you said, they go this weekend, May 5, 6, 7. Then they meet again Friday through Sunday, May 12, 13, 14. The Dodgers have owned them in the past, but now that they, you know, with, with Tatis healthy and, and eligible and, and Soto full-time in the lineup, it'll be a fun series this weekend. And I oh. believe Arias, will, uh, Arias and Gonsolin will go this weekend for the Dodgers. So that will be a fun uh, Okay, as a, I'm seeing a listing of Cindergard and Snell for Sunday night, which that's exciting. Noah Cindergard, big spot. Babe, he still Yeah, well, oh, oh, I was getting there. I, I was just curious if you guys might want to fade him Sunday. Yeah, night. I mean, you I don't got do the pot on Sunday. like I killed Von Cindergard yesterday. The Cardinals decided not to hit, but you know. Anyway, okay, good stuff, fellas, and we'll do this again maybe at the end of this coming month and so on and so forth, just to get an understanding of where we're at in 2023 as it pertains to baseball. Baseball betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Only must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. 
Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. On to our favorite underdogs of the day. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Where's my dog? We will get to Dodgers Phillies. That's coming up, but we're going to go to Charlie first. He's got a pick. Yeah. Surprising pick. Yeah, I, I mean, if you follow me in the action app, not that surprising because I'm on Mackenzie Gore again, the Nationals money Hold line. On. So, 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 so if the Oakland A's are like the Shrek and Donkey, then, <laughs> then what, then the tailing the Nationals, what, what is this now? Like, what does this I, become? You're putting me on the spot. It's like, uh, the claw, I guess, in, in, in Toy Story and then the little aliens and you're like the claw and it's, and it's just coming down for you and you're going with, and, and you pick it out. Next thing you know, read it out. Nationals money line. Who's in charge here? Claws our master. Claw chooses who will go and who will stay. This is ludicrous. Mackenzie Gore plus one twenty. I love him. Like I, I think that he was a top prospect coming out of the minors, and he really struggled to figure it all out. But a key piece in the uh, Soto deal now that he's. In Washington, a 338 expected ERA this year. His strikeout rate above 30%. Top 15% of all pitchers and expected slugging, barrel rate, and whiff rate. A thing that I think a lot of people have slept on on Gore is that his curveball has gotten significantly better. It's jumped two miles an hour, and his expected batting average on that pitch is now 130. That was 251 last year in 2022 when he was getting hit around in that limited action. So Gore is really honed in on his off speed. He's forcing a lot more ground balls this year, 15% more than last year and he's getting a big dip in hard contact and line drives he's really putting it all together and as long as he doesn't you know walk five six batters in a game i the nationals are always live when he's on the mound i've backed him over the first five plenty of times and drew smiley's on the mound against them listen drew smiley as he's been dominant this year but i am not so sure that a 33 year old's gonna have a career revival in chicago he's, he's thrown his sinker 10 percent more has become a two-pitch pitcher with the curveball, but he doesn't generate many whiffs. He forces balls in play, and eventually that's going to come back to bite him in his ex-fit. It's all the way up at 429, and he's got a 247 batting average on balls in play, Babbitt. So he's getting Babbitt luck. His ex-fit's all the way up there. So I'm a bit concerned with him altogether. The Nationals, as bad as they've been, they're 12th in WRC plus against left-handed pitching. Obviously, the Cubs are better than that, and they've been playing well against left-handed pitching, but... I mean, you're going to give me the better pitcher here at plus money. I'm going to back them down from plus 120 all the way down to that plus 100 range. I would, it's a big number, but I, I think they end up winning this game. All right. Very good. The Washington nationals taking on the Cubs. That's at seven o'clock just after seven o'clock. All right. Let's go to Debundo. Shocker. He's taking his own home team. Philadelphia Phillies. No, I, I generally agree with Charlie. I lean toward the Nationals as well. I would play the under in that game, but wind blowing uh, out to right center, like 10 to 15 miles an hour at Nats Park, that's a recipe for runs. So I will be staying away from that one in that matchup. I like the Phils tonight. Not a great underdog slate. It's going to be a half unit for me. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Taiwan Walker. And I, I was excited about Taiwan Walker when I saw the, the Stuff Plus reports from the first couple starts, like really impressive numbers. The splitter looks good. Uh, and he had an excellent start to his last outing against the Mariners and then had like an injury problem where he lost his arm slot, walked three straight bradders, gave up a grand slam, then left the game with an injury. Uh, and it was very strange uh, because they were talking about forearm tightness. So I was a little concerned, but he threw a bullpen. 
uh, was totally fine, pain-free. So I'm expecting Walker to be okay for him uh, against Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin's still working his way back into the season. They're essentially doing spring training with him on the mound in, in major league games. And so he's only going to throw about four to five innings in this matchup. The Dodgers bullpen was heavily worked yesterday, whereas the Phillies saved all their top arms. So there is a bullpen edge for the Phillies, only using uh, Gregory Soto in the back end there. So I think this game is closer to a coin flip at plus 145. I'm going to take the Phils as my underdog of the day. Uh, We are one day, potentially, until Bryce Harper's return, which we may be celebrating tomorrow, depending on the doctor's report today. All right. Excellent. How do you feel about the Phillies' win total under? I need an update on that. Am I okay? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a game over now. Uh, I think you'll be fine in terms of the number. The Fangraphs has them around 86 wins oh. at the moment, uh, and I think that's about right. I don't think they'll get to 90. So I, I feel pretty good about the under, but I still think they're a playoff team, and I have not wavered on that stance. Brendan has has asked every payoff pitch podcast as the Phillies win more and more games. Oh, uh, yeah. How do you think about the Phillies under? Or <laughs> Every time we tell him he's okay. <laughs> I yeah, mean, he's okay. That, that wasn't an okay from Debundo. That was like uh, I think they're a playoff team. The 86 wins though, 83 to 87 wins gets a job done. They probably make the playoffs with that, especially with three teams in the wild card. Yeah, I mean the bullpen is the biggest improvement year over year. Uh, the, the Phillies bullpen was a train wreck most of April and May and even June last year. Um, and now with the four guys pitching as well as they've been, Kimbrel, Soto, Dominguez, Alvarado, uh, they project as a top 10 baseball bullpen. So it's a big difference, but uh, there are still con- some concerns with the rotation that I think keep them, their ceiling pretty low in terms of wins. I was having a field day when they started off as bad as they did and <laughs> were tied with the nationals for the fewest wins in baseball, but that's no longer the case. They have turned a corner. I don't know if you've looked at the schedule, Brendan, but Chris sale will start in Philadelphia on Friday night, which is also projected to be. Win. Bryce Harper's return to Philadelphia. So and uh, good luck to the, and I'll be on the pod Friday. So I'm very excited. Won't you also you be there? Your... I will also be there. Oh, with a Red Sox fan. So this should be a, it'll be a fun weekend. Yeah. Well, if that Red Sox fan has any sensical thought process, they'll understand sale. Perfect time to fade sale too. After having a good start against Cleveland. We'll come right back down. It's exactly what BJ did. He pitched well against Minnesota, and then he stunk against Baltimore. And they were winning that game. And that just really ruined the start of last week. That was last week. That ruined yeah. like that ruined everything leading last into Monday, what happened yeah. to the Bruins. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Real quick, because I meant I meant to get this in when we talked about the state of the league storylines. And I know we got to do final bets, then we'll go. The Chicago White Sox. Oh my. Oh yeah. Colin Whitchurch, that poor son of a bitch. There is no one, no one at those games. Like, did you guys see that ballpark yesterday? That's alarming. That's it's, terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's bad when your quote unquote star player is not running out ground balls to the infield. Like it, it, it's just a complete disarray and a joke right now. I, it, it I like, I, I, they just, I don't know if you can, bet them game to game maybe fade them when you can i mean it's it's bad <laughs> yeah lou bob uh might be headed toward the injured list based on the reports now uh about the hamstring he didn't start sunday we'll see if he's in tuesday uh that didn't look great he didn't really want to run which you know you never want the guys to run when they're hurt but also uh, it's not a great look given the situation at the, at the ball club right now so 
Yeah, the White Sox are cooked, though. I mean, there's no starting pitching depth. There's no lineup depth. Anderson going down, like, it's just not a good enough uh, depth. And there's no prospects and no farm to save them. So and no uh, they're going to be entering a real rebuild here, I think. And I don't know. We'll see who's available the deadline. That yeah. will be a very interesting thing to see. Uh, they're probably going to be the biggest seller in terms of, like, we have real talent here. One eight, 183 runs allowed. Second most in baseball. Only... Uh, Ahead of them, the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, they're 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 Royals level bad. They're 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 like they're really bad. Like at least the Royals have like a you know their lineup is half decent at the top. Bobby Witt, Vinny Pascantino, Sal P, MJ Melendez. The the White Sox. You look at that lineup outside of Lou Bob. Now that Tim Anderson, if they're both out, I mean, it's Eloy Jimenez. Eloy's okay. Like, yeah, they, I mean they they're not totally bereft of young talent, but it's it's definitely. Uh, there's not enough depth there. It's a barren wasteland over there. Go, go, Let's go, 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 White Sox. Chicago's proud of you. All right, final bet. You both have one more short slate as we t- set up the top eight games. We'll go to Charlie first, and then to Bundell. We'll get out of here. And I have a one more for the road. Yeah, quick, just a little prop note. Uh, Corey Kluber on the mound against Jose Barrios. I was looking at that Blue Jays, but I think I'm going to stay away. Yesterday, I did the same with Bassett on the mound, and I bet the Blue Jays team total over five. This one, look towards some props. Corey Kluber is laughably bad, and uh, a couple players on the Blue Jays that have been swinging a hot bat and see him incredibly well. Bo Bichette, five for 11 with a double and a homer against him in his career. Matt Chapman, five for five, two doubles, two home runs in his career. Vlad Guerrero, five for nine. Adult, two doubles and a home run. So three guys that have been absolutely on fire. You'll probably get their props around that minus 120 range. I wouldn't go higher than that. And just follow me in the action app to see if I end up playing that at some capacity because I will be getting in on that game at some level because Kluber's a fade. And, you know, I think Barrios might have turned it around slightly, but I'm not willing to put money on him yet. All right. And DeBundo, final bet. Yeah, I'm going to go with the first five innings over in the Houston-San Francisco game. I know Charlie talked about Giants unders. Uh, hopefully it's 5 nothing Houston <laughs> after five, and we can both uh, be on track to cash there. Uh, but I have question marks about both pitchers here. Luis Garcia especially comes into this matchup trying to hide his fastball. His fastball velocity is down over one and a half miles an hour. His stuff plus on that pitch thus is also way down. He's throwing it 10% less which is an indication to me, similar to what I was saying about Morton, that he's aware of it and trying to hide it. And I just really think that's hard to do over the long term. And it definitely lowers your your floor as, as a starting pitcher and your ERA projection, uh, pitching plus ERA projection over four and a half for Luis Garcia for the rest of the season. I don't think he'll be that bad, but he's definitely uh, got some concerns here. And the same for Ross Stripling. So reliant on that changeup, uh, but it's it, a lot of uh, reverse, you know, so in a, in a way he's sort of like a lefty in a way because he uses the changeup so much in the sense that it kind of flips his his split platoon. Uh, and that's not what you want against this Houston lineup. So uh, I like the over four and a half in the first five innings. That's my uh, last bet of the day. All right. Also Sixers plus 10 and a half against uh, oh. Brendan Celtics. And beat is warming up as we record right now. Just throwing <laughs> that out there to you. Wait, is he is... playing? I thought he was out. No, nah, he's not playing. Oh, okay. And maybe he is, but probably not. Managed to get some basketball into the baseball podcast. Let's go. <laughs> That threw me off guard. We just got worked some, some NBA in there. But uh, good stuff from these guys. Again, I think uh, worth the listen again, those uh, state, of the, state of the league thoughts from both of them. Who to buy low on, who might fall off. 
Good stuff. We're back tomorrow, Tuesday, May 2nd. Plenty of games. I think everyone's in action tomorrow. 15 game where we got the TBS game, Boston, Toronto, and Phillies Dodgers on ESPN+. For Charlie Disturco, Anthony DeBundo, Brendan Glasheen, we're here every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the season. So please rate, review, subscribe. We're back tomorrow on Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. We're presented by BetMGM. Enjoy. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.